Imam Mahdi has made it haram, impermissible, that any individual support an illegitimate Imam, an illegitimate kingdom or government, even with the stroke of a pen. Yeah. Step one is the disbelief in the tyrants. All other rulers and all other forms of government other than that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen and made obligatory. اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد الم المهدي وسلم تسليما السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته my dear brother Abdukrim وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته good to have you here thank you very much sana thank you for joining me the honor is mine thank you so my brother today we're going to talk about the situation that faces امام المهدي عليه السلام Uh, on this channel, I think it's become clear to everybody that, uh, you know, we have a call that we're calling towards and uh, a message. Uh, we spoke a lot on the channel and we will continue in the future too as well, uh, share gems of knowledge. Um, and we've uh, talked a lot about uh, previous covenants, uh, the previous prophets and messengers and the trials and tribulations uh, that they faced with the uh, establishment of a divine just state. And that how that was the culmination of the efforts of all of the prophets and the messengers. Uh, we also said that Imam Mahdi السلام, uh, is here, uh, the 12th Imam, yeah. uh, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari And uh, that's what we want to focus our conversation on today. Uh, this idea that there is these there are these narrations from the prophet muhammad sallallahu that said you know if you if a person dies and doesn't know the imam of their time they'll die the death of ignorance mm-hmm. and and in another narration he states that whoever dies and doesn't have a pledge of allegiance in his neck he'll die basically the death of ignorance, right? Yes. The death of ignorance means what? It means that uh, it's the death of pre-Islam. What is pre-Islam? Idol worshiping, right? Yes. So anybody who doesn't, even if they were a monotheist, even if they declared that la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, there's no God but God, and Muhammad is his messenger, Even if they proclaimed that with their tongue, even if they prayed the five prayers, even if they fasted the month of Ramadan, even if they gave their yearly zakat and made their pilgrimage to the Kaaba, if they don't know the Imam of the time, and if they don't pledge allegiance to the Imam of the time, mm-hmm. then they will die as if they were an idol worshiper. So now there's this tie that's made the prophet ties the two concepts together the idea of the worship of one god monotheism and the idea of there being uh, an imam that of the time that you have to pledge your allegiance to yeah. well what's the pledge of allegiance ak a pledge of allegiance is what a pledge of allegiance is <clears throat> where you basically is pledging The allegiance to the Imam of the time or 
that individual that Allah has placed on the earth to go forth and proclaim his word to the people and giving them this allegiance is like giving allegiance to God. Exactly. But let's go back a few steps. Mm -hmm. What is a pledge of allegiance anyway? What is that? What's a bayah? A bayah is, is like a, is a, is a testimony or, or more or less it's like an oath of allegiance. Exactly. It's an oath. Yeah. And you see, by the way, you see even today in, in Saudi Arabia, for example, when King Salman, uh, you know, announced that Muhammad Ibn Salman, MBS, mm -hmm. was going to be his successor, you know, what did he demand? He demanded that, uh, you know, all the Saudis, they come forward and they, they pledge their allegiance, right? And then you had these scenes on the news where uh, they were walking up and they were basically putting their hand into the hand of MBS, right, mm -hmm. or his representative. Mm -hmm. And they were, uh, you know, making a swearing allegiance, swearing, making an oath, making mm -hmm. a promise, right? that they will serve him and that they're going to take him as their king. And so a pledge of allegiance is the same as an oath of allegiance. It's the same thing that a person does when he becomes a citizen of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. When he says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? Or he becomes a citizen of any country on the earth. No. What happens? They always they pledge allegiance to the king of that country, right? Mm -hmm. Or to the constitution of the country, right? Or to the flag of that country, right? Yes. You're swearing your loyalty to them. You're swearing that you will serve them, serve that idea, serve that king, serve that, serve those laws, right? That you're going to be under that. That this is who you belong to. Your identity is is that right so it's basically it's the same thing that also took place in the middle in the middle ages mm -hmm. when when you'd have these knights or these people that would kind of uh, bend the knee and they would uh, you know be in front of the king and they would swear an oath that they're going to serve that king forever the same thing is taking place and uh, when a person votes in an election Right. Even in democratic countries, you still have to uh, swear an oath of allegiance uh, to the flag. You still have to swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution. And the Constitution dictates that the outcome of the election, uh, you know, the, the winner of the election uh, that takes place uh, will end up sitting, uh, you know, as the prime minister or as the president uh, of that country. And therefore, that president, that prime minister becomes your king. And so what the Prophet Muhammad is actually saying is that an individual who pledges allegiance to somebody that pledge of allegiance can only be made to the imam of the time and so anybody who makes the pledge of allegiance to a tyrant or or to a particular king or a particular ruler uh, no matter who they are that person ends up being their imam of the time do you understand yes, i understand yeah so Whoever dies without a pledge of allegiance dies the death of ignorance. Mm -hmm. so, you, so according to God, you cannot go through life not choosing a guardian or not serving one king or another. Mm -hmm. And Imam Ali says 
in in a very famous hadith what means that basically you know um those who didn't pick a side between Ali ibn Abi Talib and his enemies, what? It's like, if they didn't pick a side between Ali ibn Abi Talib and his enemies, it's basically they're, they they're like, not in the middle. They're not, they, they think that they're in the middle, but basically they're, they're, they're heading to the hellfire because they didn't pick a side. So they didn't went on the side of Ali ibn Abi Talib knowing his enemies, so they were in the middle. So that's a, the part of shaitan, basically. Yeah, so the hadith says basically that it's like those who who, who didn't pick a side between Ali and his enemies, those who sat on the sa sidelines, you know, they forsook, you know, they, they, they basically let down all of Islam mm -hmm. and at the same time, they didn't benefit disbelief that's either. Right, yeah. So those who don't pick a side are even worse, really. Yeah, they are worse then because they didn't disbelieve, nor did they believe. Yeah, exactly. They were just sitting looking, looking on, on the side. Exactly. So you don't get to not pick a side. You have to pick a side. Yeah. Um, those who don't pick a side, those who die without a pledge of allegiance in their neck, die the death of ignorance. If you don't pick a side, then you're going to be resurrected on the Day of Judgment as if you were an idol worshiper. Yes. Right? Uh, you didn't worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if you said, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Yes. So it becomes of the utmost importance to find that divinely appointed king or that divinely appointed imam and whoever you pledge allegiance to, that is going to determine, you know, what side you are on. Yeah. The devil, as we saw in the Bible and the temptation, uh, the scene of the temptation of Christ, uh, it, the devil offers Jesus uh, rulership over the entire world. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also called in other places in the Bible, the prince of this world, right? Mm -hmm. He's the guy who's in control. He's the guy who appoints all of the rulers, all of the leaders. Yes. Anybody that the people pledge allegiance to that God didn't appoint becomes a pledge of allegiance to somebody that the devil appointed becomes a pledge of allegiance to the devil. Yes. Okay? Yeah. There's only one choice, mm -hmm. and that choice is God through the person whom God appoints, the imam of the time who is bearing the spirit of God. I hope that's clear for our viewers. Is that clear? I think for most of them, it's very clear. Okay, great. So then what happened? We had from the time of Adam all the way until the time of the 12th Imam, we had this situation where there was always an Imam of the time present. The narrations state very explicitly that if the Imam, if the earth is left without an Imam, a divinely appointed person whom you must pledge allegiance to, if he doesn't, if he's not on the planet at any moment in time, the whole planet wouldn't exist. It would mm. melt upon itself, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, so God, what that means is that God would never create creation and leave them to be living in chaos without there, there, there being this beacon uh, of light, without this, there being this, this, this lighthouse that's shining, uh, you know, this torch that's shining for those whom are seeking the way to find the way, mm. right? No. You have to have an imam of the time. Mm. Um, and the imam has always been present and, and in the apparent mm. uh, amongst the people. Um, until the time of the 12th Imam, and then and during the time of the 12th Imam, he went into this uh, giant absence, this occultation. Uh, 
And the reason why he went into this occultation, right? And this is where Sunnis and Shia uh, differ a little bit, right? Absolutely. In the identity of the Imam al-Mahdi. Mm. The Sunnis say what? They say, yeah, we believe that there's this guy that's going to come. He's the Mahdi, you know, but, uh, and they know that he's going to restore uh, justice and, and whatnot. But uh, they they don't really, and you used to be a Sunni, right? Yes, I used to. Uh, so why don't you tell us then in your in your in your own tongue a little bit for the people? Uh, how did Sunnis understand this concept of there existing an Imam Mahdi that's going to come at some point, mm-hmm. but at the same time? They don't believe that he's present now, but at the same time, there's these narrations, these Sunni narrations that state that if you don't pledge allegiance to the Imam of your time, you're going to die the death of ignorance. Uh, in terms of uh, if you don't find the Imam of your time, that you will die the death of uh, ignorance, Jahiliya, they take this hadith as the Khalifa of, of, uh, of the Muslims, for sure. But as for the Imam, they don't. The Imam of the time, they don't say it is an Imam of every time. It's every time there is a Khalifa on the throne of the Muslim, then you pledge your allegiance. So it's, for example, since the Ottoman Empire, the, the Sunni nation hasn't had the, the Caliphate. So they said, okay, now we don't have a Caliphate. Now this narration is not binding on us. This is how they look at it in this, in this instance. Um, some of the the Khwarij, for example, right? Um, they they look at this narration as every time, but they look at it as the one that is fighting jihad, or the one that is going out and calling towards Hakimiyat Allah in in their um, in their understanding of it, yeah. And um, so, for example, for them, who would it be? Right now, at the, at that time, this would have been for them. Bin Laden for Daesh, this would have been um, ISIS, this would have been uh, Baghdadi, these individuals for some of these groups. But the Messenger of Allah, he said in the narration, who doesn't pledge allegiance to the Imam of the time, meaning every time there will be an Imam. So it seems that, and it's clear that the understanding of this narration was indeed um, false. And it actually was not following the Imam of the time. So listen, in, in this aspect of the Imam of the time, they have um, definitely gone astray in it. Um, as for the aspect of Imam Mahdi and, and his coming and all these narrations that mention him, um, and in the aspect of Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari, they say he cannot be, the, be this Mahdi because he was born 100, um, 1,000 and, um, and 100, 200 years ago. Yeah, so he will not be this individual that uh, the Shias believe in as the Imam of the time of Muhammad uh, Ibn Abdullah, as they say, the, the Sunnis. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Now, now you brought up a really important point that I want our viewers to kind of like pay attention to. So now the, the very existence of this hadith, that you have to pledge allegiance to the Imam of the time, you know, Sunnis and Shia, they have it, okay? Let's put Shia Islam aside for a moment. Let's focus on Sunni Islam. Mm-hmm. You're saying that that the Sunnis basically state that any time there is a caliphate of the Muslims, mm-hmm. 
automatically the imam of the time becomes that the head of the state. Yes. Okay. So they understand the imam of the time to be the king or the ruler of the Muslims. Exactly. That the the authority of church and state, right, so to speak, or the religion and the and the rulership of the nation, they're one and the same. It's combined and it's in the head of the state of the overall Muslims, right? Yes. It has to be one overall Muslims. That's correct. Good. So that means that for the Sunnis, the, the first imam of their time after the Prophet Muhammad would have been Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr. And then after him, Omar. Yes. And then after him, Uthman. And then after him, Ali ibn Abi Talib. And then after him, Muawiyah ibn Abu Sufyan, right? And then Yazid. And then, you know, yeah. it starts continuing on through all of the different uh, Umayyad rulers, yes. then the Abbasid rulers, and then the Ottoman Empire uh, rulers. Yeah. Okay, but then after the Ottoman Empire, we have this problem where all of the 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 nations, the Arab nations, were split up. Right, the yes. Ottoman Empire was cut up and divided, and there became Algeria, Tunisia, mm -hmm. Morocco, Egypt, Libya, Syria, Sudan, mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia, Qatar, UAE, Palestine. All these different nations, right, yeah. are set up. So then, what happens now? Because now you have multiple leaders that are placed over over every state and now here's where the difference of opinion comes so within the sunni world then there became this this thing where the governments would state that okay now it's obligatory for you to pledge allegiance to the ruler and to never go out against the ruler mm -hmm. so a group of sunnis they believe that it becomes their religious obligation uh, to to never protest, for example, against Hosni Mubarak. Yes. And I was in Egypt during the protests mm -hmm. uh, against Hosni Mubarak, and, and I was part of that whole toppling of the and overthrow of Hosni Mubarak. Yeah. And I remember that on the television sets, the preachers at the mosques, everybody were were yelling at the top of their lungs that and trying to convince the people that it's an absolute act of disobedience and heresy and, and it's haram, totally forbidden to go out on the ruler of the Muslims whom they were saying is Hosni Mubarak, yeah. right? And then you have the other Muslims, and this is, I think, the more fascinating point that you managed to point out, that believe that, no, 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 these guys are illegitimate, they're tyrants, the, the only way and they're actually fighting Islam. The only way that you can you can fulfill this narration is by pledging allegiance to the ruler of all of the Muslims. So they don't they don't recognize individual state leaders. Uh, they they want somebody that's going to unite and rule all of the Muslims. Exactly. Okay. And and so this is where you get then the popping up of all of these terrorist organizations, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's the, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, um, uh, you know, uh, ISIS, all of these, these the, 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 the different uh, African also mm -hmm. uh, 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 terrorist organizations that, that have popped up. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Because what? Because they believe, as you're stating, mm -hmm. that they have a religious obligation to fulfill this narration. Yes. And they can only do so by pledging allegiance to the, pledging allegiance to the guy who's making it his life mission to reestablish a Muslim nation. Yes. And so therefore, the 
allegiance and loyalty of a lot of the Sunni Muslims will shift from being loyal to the state to being loyal to organizations such as the Muslim Brotherhood, for example, exactly. whose mission it is to exactly. establish an Islamic <laughs> caliphate. Yes. All right. And that's why I guess these organizations end up being at odds or these these terrorist groups become end up being at odds with the governments, Government. the tyrannical governments mm -hmm. of the states, because both of them are proclaiming <laughs> and claiming to be the fulfillment uh, of of this narration. They're both saying we're the Imam of the time. Yes, right. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. <laughs> yeah. There's other narrations, AK, that state that basically um, whoever pledges allegiance. Um, to to somebody that they're going to be resurrected on the day of judgment, you know, as part of their group, you know. Mm -hmm. So on the day of judgment, um, according to these narrations, everybody, every every group is standing in front of God, uh, you know, and everybody's looking for the Imam of their time, yep. you know. So they go and they stand with him. So the people that pledged allegiance to Hasan Barak, they go stand with Hasan Barak, and Hasan Barak kind of you know takes them towards uh, God. He leads his people. Over there, the people that pledge allegiance to Bin Laden, the same thing, Lanatullahi. The people that pledge allegiance to Bashar al-Assad or to whoever it is, each group of people will go with their ruler. Yes. The people that pledge allegiance to Yazid will go with Yazid. Right? Yes. Okay. Then, then we have what? How Shia Muslims look at it. And Shia Muslims see the whole idea of this Imam of the Time as being different. They, they also agree with Sunnis that the Imam of the Time is, has both powers, the powers to rule the nation and the religious authority, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the keys to the heavens and the earth, that they are uh, powers of church and state are combined in one um, individual. Um, but they believe that these individuals are particular individuals that were pointed out and named by the Prophet Muhammad and they believe in 12 Imams. Since the Shia are called 12ers, right? Yes. Uh, because they believe in these 12 divinely appointed individuals or Imams that were specifically named in narrations by the Prophet Muhammad and his family. And they go through, they're basically after the Prophet Ali ibn Abi Talib. Yeah. And so they believe that the first caliph uh, of the Muslims, Abu Bakr, the second, Omar ibn Khattab, third, Uthman ibn Affan, that these guys were usurpers. Mm -hmm. uh, they were imposters. They were not legitimate. And that they actually hurt and killed the daughter of the Prophet Muhammad, Ali Fatima al-Zahra, six months after his passing. Yeah. Um, and they believe them to be the enemies of Islam, okay? Mm -hmm. And so these three, you, you, you put them on the side, and then they believe in the legitimacy of Ali ibn Abi Talib, mm -hmm. and then after him, uh, you know, 11 imams that were oppressed, meaning they were kicked out of the way, they were forbidden from taking their rights and rising to the, um, the seat of the rulership over the nation, right? So now for the Shia, for the Sunnis, the imam of the time is the actual physical ruler, no matter who he is. Exactly. For the Shia, it doesn't matter if he's physically ruling, actively ruling or not. It's the individuals that God chose, not whom the people choose, right? So God's choice still stands, and you have an obligation to find that individual and pledge allegiance to him, even if they're not actively ruling. Yeah.
Okay. Yeah. And so then, then the obligation becomes twisted. It becomes reversed. Over here, even if the ruler is a tyrant, you have to remain uh, obedient to them. Over here, if the imam of the time is not ruling, then you have an obligation to rebel against them. Yes. Yeah, because you only have an oath and allegiance to the imam of the time. Is the imam of the time. Exactly. And that's why you find in these Shia countries, right, such as Lebanon, mm -hmm. uh, you find that, that it's very easy for these groups such as Hezbollah to pop up because Hezbollah is claiming to represent Imam Mahdi, mm -hmm. yes. right? Yeah. And so the people don't feel like they, they have uh, allegiance that's binding to the Lebanese state. Yeah. They feel that they only, they only uh, you know, owe Imam Mahdi their loyalty. And so they march behind those whom are claiming to be representing Imam Right, Definitely. and so because Hassan Nasrallah is claiming that he's paving the way for Imam Al Mahdi, mm -hmm. so then they pledge allegiance to Hassan, Hassan Nasrallah, Nasrallah, right? Or yes. they march behind Hassan Nasrallah with this idea in their minds that their oath of allegiance is to the twelfth Imam. Yes. And the same thing with Iran. This is how the leader of Iran. Uh, Khamenei yeah. manages to remain in power is because he has this kind of r religious authority um, that he's holding over the heads of the Shia that like guys you guys have an obligation to pledge allegiance to the Imam of the time I'm I'm you know this state is the state of Imam al Mahdi alayhi salam and you know we're, I'm a representative of the Imam al Mahdi alayhi salam and so therefore you you have to listen to me you have to because if you don't then you're going to go to hellfire so, so as you brought up this uh, this point uh, after the occultation of uh, Muhammad al uh, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari, um, and he went into his occultation. Through the years, uh, through the centuries, you have seen individual, individuals pop, pop up in uh, certain countries and claim to be his representatives in Iran, in Lebanon, in uh, Iraq. Uh, the question I have is, after his, uh, his occultation, what really happened? And who are these individuals, not, not by name, but who are these individuals, since these scholars are claiming to be his, his representatives today and now, and who gives allegiance to them, gives allegiance to him. Mm -hmm. What was left in between that time for the sincere um, believer that is seeking his imam and seeking yeah, closest sure. to Allah? That's a really good question. And basically what happened was, is that, so the 11 Imams are oppressed. It gets down to the time of Imam Mahdi. He's born, Shia believes. His mm -hmm. name is Muhammad, son of Al-Hasan al-Askari, mm -hmm. And he's forced to go into this occultation, this absence, right? Uh, because the people are seeking to kill him now, just like they killed his sisters. And they're especially wanting his blood, right? Mm -hmm. Why are they especially wanting his blood? Because he's the one that's prophesized, right? That's yes. going to end their rulership. All right, so they really want to get the 12th Imam. And so the 12th Imam in the history of the Shia, this individual disappears. He, he goes away. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they, they claim that he had these uh, representatives. Now, here's an interesting thing that happens, okay? And mm -hmm. when we talk about what happened after the 12th Imam, it's, it's, it's really important to note um, 
this. So the 12th Imam, he disappears. Then all of a sudden, there was these groups, this group of companions, these individuals, right? Uh, Four in particular, uh, that were companions of the previous two Imams, the father of Imam al-Mahdi and the grandfather of Imam al-Mahdi, right? So some of the companions, a couple of the companions of those two Imams, uh, Imam al-Hadi and Imam al-Hasan al-Askari, Ali al-Hadi and al-Hasan al-Askari, they and their successors end up going back and forth between the Shia, right? Claiming to be representatives of Imam al-Mahdi. And they brought forward letters, handwritten letters as proof with directives from the 12th Imam, alleged directions and and words of advice, uh, things that the 12th Imam was wanting to inform them. and the Shia would all obey these ambassadors, and it would be one ambassador at a time. And, okay. and the ambassador would go back and forth. He would die. The next ambassador uh, would fulfill the duty after that, and then the third, and then the, the fourth. And the Shia would obey these ambassadors, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the Shia would obey these ambassadors as their obedience to Imam al then what happened is that the, the last one, he kind of brings this letter that says, you know, after this ambassador dies, there's going to be no more ambassadors uh, after him until the appearance of the, 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 the Mahdi himself. Yeah. Okay. And uh, anybody who claims to have seen him is a liar. Okay. Yeah. And, and so then, then this period of a greater occultation starts, the mm. greater absence. So there's the lesser absence, and then there's a greater absence. The lesser absence, there's still communication that's taking place between the 12th Imam and the Shia, but from behind the four ambassadors. Okay. Okay? They're the ones that are communicating. The Shia are not seeing the 12th Imam directly. Mm-hmm. Then after this lesser occultation, the greater occultation takes place where there's no communication with the 12th Imam at all until the day that he appears himself. So how do these scholars then, during that time period of the greater occultation, claim? Because they can't claim during the lesser occultation because people have actual physical letters from the imam, right? So how do they claim during the greater occultation that they have authority to preach and act on behalf of Imam al-Mahdi? Well, they go to a narration that states that al-ulama, you know, the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets. So then they say, look, there's a hadith. It says that the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets, right? And they start pulling out these hadiths that are talking about the scholars and praising the scholars, and they abandon all the ones that are criticizing the scholars, and they um, claim then authority based on that. Yes, yes, they did. So that's, as you brought that point up, that's why the will is so important. Because it's not vague, it's so specific. And it's wording and who the following successor will be. As for what the scholars had, they just have a 
vague narration, very vague, that does mention the scholars idea, the inheritance of the prophets. Exactly. That's why it saves some misguidance. It does. And so in our Dawah, Abdul Karim, what we're claiming is, is as such. We're claiming that uh, basically what happened is that the Prophet did appoint 12 successors. And that those 12 Imams are the ones that it, it is, was binding that the Muslims pledge allegiance to. Yeah. We believe that the 12th Imam, as with the Shia, we believe everything that the Shia believe in, in terms of the legitimacy of the 12 Imams, the illegitimacy of the other rulers, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and the Bani Umayyad, the Bani Abbas, and the Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. um, and we believe, like them, that we are living in the time of the 12th Imam, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Sakar. Now, here is where we differ. We differ because we believe that after the 12 Imams, there are 12 Mahdis. And you can mm -hmm. find the names of the first three Mahdis in the will of the Prophet Muhammad, the same will that the 12 Shias believe in yeah. that mentions the, the names of the 12 Imams. And we believe that we speak with authority Right, and we're claiming that we're speaking with authority because we are stating that two of the individuals that are mentioned in the will by name mm -hmm. have come out and spoken to the people in their flesh and in their blood, and that is Ahmed, Ahmed and Hassan, mm -hmm. and there is Abdullah, Abdullah Hashim, Abu Sadiq, myself. Yes. Okay, that both of our names are mentioned in the will, we've claimed it, and we've spoken to the people. We also have clarified to the people that those four individuals that were so-called ambassadors after the absence of the 12th Imam were liars. Yeah. And they, the letters which they brought forward to the people were not true letters from the 12th Imam, that they were usurping the position of the true door to the 12th Imam. When Imam Mahdi disappeared, he did leave a representative. He did leave a messenger from him, but it was only one individual. And that individual was a man by the name of Muhammad ibn Nusayr. Yes. Okay? Muhammad ibn Nusayr uh, was the true and only door to the 12th Imam after he went into an absence, and these four were liars. Yeah. We believe then that throughout the past 1,200 years, the 12th Imam remained alive. And this, that's a belief that the 12 Shia share with us. Mm -hmm. And there's no problem with that because, uh, as you know, the Christians and the Muslims, they both believe that Jesus is still alive. Yeah. Uh, they believe also that uh, the Muslims believe that Al-Khidr is still alive yes, for the do. most part, right? Yeah. And and uh, the, the people of the book also believe that certain prophets uh, are alive as well whether it be Ezra or Elijah or Enoch, depending on who it is that you are speaking to. And, and obviously the Quran stated that Noah also had a very long life. So the idea of a proof of God having an extended or long life is not an issue. Yes. Okay. So we believe that the 12th Imam, uh, we know for a fact that the 12th Imam is, uh, has been alive from that time and that all throughout his absence, he has sent forward messengers from him to call the people to 
pledge allegiance to the 12th Imam and to the idea of the supremacy of God. And many of those messengers, uh, they were successful in establishing the message mm -hmm. and call on behalf of the 12th Imam. Um, many of them failed. A whole lot of them, the majority of them, were killed um, or, you know, uh, martyred by the, the disbelieving people uh, in their time and their message was rejected and their names were wiped out of the history books. And there's a portion of those messengers also that failed, just like the uh, certain individuals failed, uh, such as Banam ibn Bawra and mm. other than them. And they had their, their names erased uh, from the from the books and uh, now we're in this day and age where the 12th imam did make an appearance he came out of his absence and he met with um you know the loyal ansar of his that are close to him and he appointed uh, the Mahdi's and made them known to those Shia no. and he sent them forward to proclaim on his behalf his message and to remind the people that they have a divine obligation to pledge allegiance to the 12th Imam yes. and so that is what I am doing that is what I'm calling towards I am telling people that if they don't go back and pledge allegiance to the divinely appointed king that God had named and appointed, who is who Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari then they're going to be destroyed in this world and the next. Yes. Uh, people ask, they say, okay, well, well, what should we do? I mean, we've been pledging allegiance to the 12th Imam for, for 1,200 years. I mean, what's the difference now? Like, what are we, how do we, how do, we do that exactly? Um, uh, one of the things that Imam al-Mahdi is demanding of the people that they do is that they stop helping the tyrant in any way, shape, or form. And so Imam al-Mahdi has made it haram, impermissible, that any individual support an illegitimate imam, an illegitimate uh, kingdom, mm -hmm. or president, or prime minister, or government, even with the stroke of a pen. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means that step one that Imam al-Mahdi is calling towards is the disbelief in the tyrants. Mm -hmm. You have to declare yourself innocent from all other rulers and all other forms of government other than that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen and made obligatory. Mm -hmm. So to be a true follower... Okay, because the Shia also, they say, we've been pledging allegiance for all these years and we have this state on behalf of Imam Mahdi. They're liars because if they really were true Shia, yeah. then Imam Mahdi, according to their own narrations, would have already appeared. Because it's very clear that if Imam Mahdi only has 313 followers and true Shia, and, and in other narrations, if he only has 10,000, so if he only has 313, he appears. Mm -hmm. If he only has 10,000 plus 313, he rises, right? This is according to them. Yeah. So they have millions, 
They have hundreds of millions of Shia. They have a whole country, allegedly, right? Yes. Which is the country of Iran. And they have this militia, Hezbollah, in Lebanon. And they have all this influence in Syria. So if all of that was legitimate, if it really did represent the 12th Imam Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari, mm-hmm. it would have been an obligation that he appears. Exactly. But the fact that he's not there means that they are illegitimate. And so the 12th Imam, the first step to being a true follower in him is that you have to declare yourself innocent from all of his enemies. And his enemies are all of the other tyrannical leaders and their governments that are responsible for the state of affairs that the world is in today. And the state of the affair of the world uh, uh, right now, it's, it's, uh, it's incredibly scary. Yes. We have wars and rumors of wars that are taking place, right? Yes. Yeah. We have a war in Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. between Russia and Ukraine, a war between the state, the so-called state of Israel and between Palestine. Mm-hmm. You have a war that is taking place between, um, you know, that, that, that right now really is, is about to pop off uh, mm-hmm. where you just had on the news that, that the U.S. and the U.K. Mm-hmm. have bombed the Houthis in Yemen, okay? Uh, you have threats that are taking place between, uh, uh, you know, from Israel, the United States, and the United Kingdom against Iran. You have threats from Iran and from Lebanon against those countries. Mm -hmm. You have crossfire and and missiles that are being shot between Lebanon and between Israel. There are analysts and government agencies and people in the news. It's all talking about how there could be the this wider Middle Eastern war that would take place. And people are saying if that did take place, that that would be the Armageddon that is mentioned in the prophecies. And you have all of the, uh, you know, uh, all the different groups of Christians and Muslims and and Jews that are eagerly anticipating this event so that it can bring forward um, the uh, the promised Messiah or the Mahdi or the second coming um, of Christ. So uh, in short, the first step of the message of Imam Mahdi is that you have to declare yourself innocent. That means you cannot work for any of them. You can't, you can't partake in their government systems. You cannot... Even if it is a a um, you know if it's a if it's a government position that only requires you not to shoot a gun or to mm-hmm. defend the state as a police officer or as an army uh, soldier, if mm-hmm. it just requires you to sign a piece of paper to write something on a on a school board, you're not allowed to do so. Why? Because that is all empowering the system of the devil. It's empowering the government that was appointed um, by the devil. And it's eating money from the tyrant. And there's these narrations, AK, that are extremely 
extremely uh, scary that state that anybody in the time of the Sufyani, who's a mm-hmm. tyrant that exists, you know, during the time of the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi, that anybody who even takes one dinar or one dirham from this tyrant, mm-hmm. what happens? They'll be resurrected on the day of judgment inside of the belly yeah. of the yeah. Sufyani, right? SubhanAllah. So, um, yeah, the people that eat the money or take salaries from the Sufiani, they end up being resurrected with the imam of their time, who is the Sufiani now because he was paying them. And, uh, and uh, they, they end up being inside of, of his belly. And that's, uh, yeah. So I think, I think we'll, we'll stop there. Mm-hmm. And inshallah, in the coming episodes, we're going to outline um, you know all of the details that that have to do with the twelfth Imam and his message in this particular day and age. What does Imam Mahdi have to say about the events that are going on in the world? What is his message message to mankind, and what are what is required about us? And I know uh, from us, and I know that a lot of. People have also asked about the jurisprudence, which we have a lot to clarify uh, about that. Yeah. What, what do we do uh, in terms of our religion? How do we practice it? So yes. we're going to go through that. We're going to focus on the seventh covenant now. We're going to focus on the 12th imam and the second coming of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, who uh, also is here today. Yes. So God bless you and thank you. This is an amazing conversation and amazing yes, energy today. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah.